you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And on today's show, as promised, I took a deep dive back into Missouri's second half, at least on the offensive side of the football, where many fans, including myself to some extent, felt like the Tigers got a little bit conservative in the second half offensively. But I decided to take a look back, watch all those snaps, and find out if that's really true or not. Also, I've talked a lot about how this free season of college football in terms of eligibility. I'm starting to realize that almost no one is going to take them up on that free season, but there is one guy, a fairly prominent player from Missouri that I'm now thinking could well take advantage of that free year. I'll tell you about him later, but first we got to start off with the big news, obviously, on the Missouri beat, which has that instead of playing Arkansas on Saturday, well, the Tigers now playing the Vanderbilt Commodores at 11 a.m. Now, it's the same kickoff time, so no big change there. If you're a season ticket holder, you already have tickets for this year. The one thing I would note, the Tigers probably sent you this email, but you are supposed to bring your Game 2 tickets as well as your parking. Originally, Vanderbilt, of course, was Game 2 before that game was postponed Certainly got to be got to be nifty on your toes in the open field in this season. That's for darn sure. Now, obviously, this throws a bit of a wrench into Missouri's game preparation here for the Commodores, but fortunately, they're in the same boat. No real advantage or disadvantage there, relatively speaking. But quite honestly, even though it looks like right now this game is on, it's still Tuesday, as we know. We know the routine by now. There's going to be more testing. We also know Missouri is on the cusp of having enough guys to play. And, well, certainly Vanderbilt has already had a game postponed as well. So basically a long way of saying keep your ears to the ground. We'll certainly update you on this program as is needed. But speaking of sports that are going to have to play it by ear in this season, certainly appears college basketball is going to be even more challenged than college football, at least in the early part of the season. We'll see how it all plays out. Now, so far, Missouri looks like they are very much on track to play on Wednesday, 6 o'clock, against Oral Roberts at Mizzou Arena. Now, what's interesting to me, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Of course, because of COVID, the capacity at Mizzou Arena restricted to 3,000 people. And I was just thinking, boy... If it was normal, we definitely would get over 3,000. If it was normal capacity, we might get five or six, let's say that. But ironically, even though it's limited, there's no way we're going to get 3,000 people, right? Because you know how this works. You know that there's going to be the people who got the tickets. You know that about half of them are going to no-show. So I'd be surprised if, frankly, there are even 2,000 people at the game tomorrow. So you're definitely going to be seeing the smallest crowd in Mizzou Arena history. Before, especially a Wednesday early game before Thanksgiving. My God, we might not even get to, to four digits here, I'm starting to think. But again, the good news is, so far at least, all the Missouri Tiger basketball players 
have tested negative for the virus, so it looks like it's all going to happen. But meanwhile, you've got three SEC programs that have shut down already. You've got Ole Miss, Florida, Tennessee. Florida's already canceled four games here to start off the season. Tennessee coach Rick Barnes tested positive with the virus. Now, obviously, as we've said before, basketball, it's a lot harder to stay away from people, right? Especially in terms of the entire team. So basically, if one person, even if it's a coach, tests positive, you almost have to cancel the entire game. But what will be curious to me is how it's going to be handled. Let's say Rick Barnes tests positive again in a month or two, even though let's say the virus passed through him. Let's say maybe he had no symptoms in the first place. But again, if he tests positive in a couple months, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to, again, cancel the entire game? Or are we just going to assume that, oh, he's just got the antibodies? Again, this is above my pay grade. This is just something I'm curious to see how it plays out. Because, frankly, if if you can just test positive multiple times over and over again, boy, that seems like this season is just going to be really, really tough to get in the minimum amount of games for some teams. But I don't know. I hope I'm wrong there. I'd, I'd, I'd like to be optimistic, but it's getting difficult. And one final note on basketball, from my perspective, I'm very much in a wait-and-see mode with this team. I feel like I've seen most of these guys for years now. If something is going to be different, if they're individually going to change, that's great. I'll, I'll just sort of believe it when I see it at this point. It's hard for me to speculate and predict that. But I will say I'm noticing that about everybody on the Missouri beat is acting like Jeremiah Tillman is a different guy this season. In fact, Dave Matter just tweeted out, again, Mizzou beat writer Dave Matter at the Post-Dispatch, even on Zoom, it's striking how different Jeremiah Tillman sounds. Says he's, quote, at peace this year. Says he was, quote, all over the place in the past, but has, quote, more discipline in his life, and it's helped him on and off the court. Well, again, while I'll believe it when I see it personally, I won't actually see it on the court, but that's certainly music to my ears. If that's really true, if somehow Jeremiah Tillman can find a way to channel his considerable talents, his considerable just agility at his size, overall coordination, and just basically stay on the court, stay out of foul trouble, stop putting himself in positions where he's he's liable to turn the ball over. I mean, the guy can, you know, big men take longer to develop. So it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world if in his senior year, in his fourth year, Jeremiah Tillman maybe just took another step. That'd be really fun to watch. And frankly, I'm excited to see Jeremiah play his fourth season in a Tiger uniform because we haven't had all that much of that the last few years. So good for him. I'll be happy to see him have his senior day get his degree, all that good stuff. And know what? When Jeremiah gets that degree, since he's he's of age now, he's 21 plus, well, what better way to celebrate that great accomplishment, being an actual true son, than with the cold mountain refreshment of Coors Light. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you people that when you're celebrating with Coors Light that you should shake it up and spray it all over the place like you just won the World Series. But then again, I'm gonna, I'm not not going to tell you to do that either because it's up to you. The people at Coors Light want you to celebrate how you like to celebrate individually. 
All I know is, is the Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's literally made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com for beer delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. By the way, before I get to my breakdown of Missouri's offense in the second half against the Gamecocks, I just want to give a very, very sincere congratulations to Jonte Porter, who just signed a three-year, $6 million deal to stay with the Memphis Grizzlies. And that's just really great to see. I think Jonte Porter's a good kid, always loved his game. And quite honestly, after he tore his same knee for the second time, you wondered if a kid who I previously thought had NBA lottery-type talent was ever going to be the same again. So, you know, obviously that remains to be seen, but a good sign. And and regardless, $6 million, yeah, before agents and taxes get to it, all that, say say it's $3 million, fine. That's a life-changing amount of money, folks, and you know, well-deserved. Good for him. He's definitely put in the work to get back, clearly. And you know what? A good deal for the Memphis Grizzlies, too. Just $2 bucks a year against the salary cap for a young, big guy who can shoot, agile. You know, I think that's a heck of a bargain, honestly. I think it's a, a really smart gamble and a low-cost gamble by the Grizzlies and obviously Jonte, the beneficiary. Now... On to that Missouri second half. And Missouri did possess the ball first in that second half. You can't say they were, they did go three and out on this first possession, but you definitely can't say they were conservative here. First play, Connor rolls to his right, throws a, a throwback screen, pla- screen pass, excuse me, to Jalen Knox that's well defended by the Gamecocks. Then a play action on second down, nothing there incomplete. And then a, th- a, th- a third incompletion, or sorry, a second incompletion on this series on third and 10. Had to get rid of the ball a little bit more quickly than he wanted to. Now, obviously, you never want a three and out, but I can't say that all oh, they just handed it, they just ran it into the line three times. That didn't happen. Now, the next possession, Missouri picks up a couple first downs. Now, Roundtree runs for basically no yardage on Missouri's first two plays, but a good empty formation screen, you might remember, to Tyler Beatty, makes a good individual effort, reaches for the sticks, gets the gain. Then a couple more, a couple runs, one by Basilak, one by Beatty. And ultimately, the drive just kind of stalls out after a couple more runs. So, honestly, on this first possession, I think you could argue that, yes, Missouri was too conservative because on all three sequences on all three down series I should say a first down second down run 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 it's a lot of running and ultimately it didn't get a whole lot on the second and third series the drive doesn't work out ultimately it's a punt now the next possession starts off Barrett Bannister wide open down the left sideline gains 25 yards That follows up with another three straight running plays, then a play-action pass where Basilak's under a little bit of pressure, needed probably another second or so to get the ball downfield to Nico Hay, 
instead probably makes a smart decision, honestly dumps it to Roundtree for four yards. To me, that's a smart conservative play there when you're winning the football game. But then on third and seven, Missouri's kind of in that no man's land where a punt doesn't really help you, but you're too far away to kick a field goal. Bazelak throws it underneath to Kiki Chisholm, short of the sticks. It's now fourth down and four from the 37-yard line. Missouri, the 14-point lead. There's 13 minutes left. Now, to me, you can make a good argument. Again, it's fourth and four from the 37. You can make a good argument that Missouri should go for it here. But instead, they go conservative. They actually, but they do something smart, in my opinion. They take a look. They actually, they come out in a formation. They at least take a look at the play and see, hmm, is this going to work? And if not, well, they didn't love the look, so they end up taking the delay of game penalty, five yards, bring out the punting unit. Fine and dandy, but for whatever reason, it took the punting unit a while to get up there, get long lined up or whatever. So instead of taking a second straight delay of game penalty, Missouri calls a timeout. Now, I didn't understand that at all. I'd much rather just take the second delay of game, take the 12 men. To me, that was dumb. You're just going to punt anyway, so what's the difference? And ultimately, it ends up being about a 29-yard punt. South Carolina takes it over at its own 12-yard line. I just, To me, just go for it there. It's fourth and four. And, and on third and seven, have the, have the mentality that you might go for it on fourth down too, because again, you're in no man's land. To me, that was the one sequence that was far too conservative for my liking. And frankly, if you're going to go conservative, well, go all the way. Don't waste a timeout. Just take five more yards on the punt. Grant McKinnis would have done just fine with that five extra yards. But to the Tigers and Eli Drinkwitz credit, the Missouri defense did force a punt by South Carolina anyway. So no real harm, no foul there. So with that said, let's break down the fourth quarter on the other side of this break. But first, during the middle of your day, do you ever hit a wall? Whether it's a mental wall, a physical wall, whatever it might be, at some point we just all crash and get a little tired, right? Well, there's a new product called Built Go that will help you break through your wall every single day. And the great thing about this product, it's really convenient. One and a half ounce packages, put it in your briefcase, your golf bag, or even your pocket, put it wherever you want. But the best thing about it, it's five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural. So it's better than the better for your body. It's like drinking a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and frankly, better results. So visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. BuiltGo, let's go. Now, like the third quarter for Missouri offensively, the fourth quarter started off with a three and out. But there was a good point made during this sequence by Hunter Mason, the color guy on SEC Ultimate. He said, with with almost 10 minutes to go, there's probably a, about two more possessions that, all, that South Carolina is going to get to close out this football game. Probably two more possessions at most, again, with about 10 minutes left, and Missouri leading 17-3. to So, again, if you thought Missouri got a little bit too 
conservative here, well, I wouldn't blame you. But again, if you do the math there, there's a fairly good reason for it. But of course, after this three and out, Missouri unable to push field position any further. South Carolina finally gets into the end zone, cuts the lead 17 to 10 now. And this is where on third down and about two, Eli saved that what I called the one yard play or the one yard rule play where Barrett Bannister sets a pick and it's a legal pick because the pass is behind the line of scrimmage to Tyler Beatty ends up getting an easy first down there. Nice design for sure. So that was obviously a crucial, crucial play there with five minutes left for sure. And now at this point, there's really not much to criticize. Roundtree runs for two yards a couple plays in a row, forces South Carolina to call its first two timeouts with under three under three minutes remaining. But now on third and six, Missouri rushes up to the line of scrimmage very quickly. They get under center, quick snap, play action pass, Good man-to-man defense downfield by South Carolina. Bazelak throws what looked like to be, he was trying for a back shoulder play down the right sideline. But again, the defender was right there, knocked it down. And honestly, you can question that play call if you want. To me, third and six, I I just run the football there. Again, make South Carolina use its last time out. I think they still had one left. Even if they don't, even a, just as good of a reason to run the football, run another 40 seconds off the clock. Because here's the thing, on third and six, you run it, maybe you get five yards. Now it's fourth and one. Ultimately, it was fourth and six for Missouri, and it's 39. So again, you're in no man's land here. But ultimately, again, it was fourth and six. Missouri decides to punt, and well... Downed at the one. Great punt by Grant McKinnis. Give him all the credit in the world there. Fantastic punt. Obviously, if I knew it was going to be downed at the one, I would take that result. But you can't you can't necessarily predict that. So I guess ultimately my opinion on Eli, how he called the second half, for me it's more the fourth downs there in no man's land that I would maybe consider. And how they played the third downs leading into those fourth downs. That's something I would take a second look at if I were on the Missouri coaching staff. But as far as the amount of runs versus passes that they called, again, there was a few times when I thought they were looking downfield, but maybe the play just didn't develop how they expected. Sometimes Connor just was forced to check it down, and wisely a couple times, I thought. So let's not overanalyze it, in my opinion. I thought Missouri had all the reason in the world to play it fairly conservatively. Again, just the play calling, not so much a thing that I'm going to nitpick too hard, but the fourth downs, maybe take another look at that. But again, Grant McKinnis, great job. He was as good as anybody on the field yesterday other than, not not yesterday, but on Saturday, other than maybe Nick Bolton. But speaking of Mr. Grant McKinnis, he's actually the one guy on Missouri's team that jumps to mind when I think of somebody who might take advantage of that extra year. Because Grant McKinnis is a graduate transfer. We assumed he was going to be a senior. Well, he is a senior. I guess you just get to be a senior for a second year if you would like. But we assumed that this would be his only year on campus. And basically, Grant McKinnis was behind a really good punter for most of his career. 
this is the first time he's ever really gotten an extended shot to play as far as I can tell. So I don't know, is one year of a punter, is that good enough for you to be a for sure NFL guy to just move on? Or is it maybe better to do another year in college, show even more on film? Honestly, considering I, I'm not an expert on the minutia of scouting special teams players, punters in particular, I'm not the one to answer that question. But I do know that one year, one extra year as a punter is a heck of a lot different than an extra year as a running back or an offensive lineman or some position where you're going to take a lot more punishment and frankly just the tread on your tires is going to come off so much more quickly. I mean, think about it. If you're a punter, you can play forever in the NFL if you're actually good. My goodness, Dustin Colquitt, the Chiefs finally cut him after like 16 years, and he acted like that the Chiefs had committed a crime or something like that. Dustin, I love you, buddy, but you had a heck of a career. You were playing with Trent Green at one point. Do you have to play for the Chiefs forever? I don't know. By the way, he got cut a second time, so I think the Chiefs made the right move. But I digress. This is not a Chiefs podcast, is it? No, indeed, this is a Missouri podcast. And definitely join me on our next episode where, well... Actually, now that I think about it, what will my next episode be? I was just going to say, I was just going to tease a recap of the Missouri Oral Roberts basketball game, but you know what? I'm not sure if I'll get one out Wednesday afternoon before the game or not. We'll see. But regardless, you'll definitely get an Oral Roberts Missouri recap. As far as the rest of the stuff, well, it's Thanksgiving week. We'll play it by ear. So until next time, whenever that might be, I'm John Miller, and this has been. Locked on Mizzou.